Hello, and thank you again for joining us today for an exciting episode of the Impact Blueprint Show. And I have the honor of introducing a wonderful friend who I was able to meet over 10 years ago uh, through some mortgage affiliations that we had. And so today I am really excited to introduce my friend, entrepreneur, business owner, author, podcaster, and uh, speaker and trainer. This is my friend, Tony Taylor Gaza. Welcome, Tony. Thanks, Dave. Holy cow. I got to go take a break on that one. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, is there, a, oh wait, mother, let's throw mother in there. And yeah. uh, oh, there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff. So really cool. Well, I, you know, I remember Tony years ago, I literally think it's been about 10 years ago. I think we met for the first time uh, in Clearwater, Florida. And I remember about eight or nine of us the day after the seminar was over being out on the beach together and hanging out the next day. And, and we have a picture of, of us, all of us kind of laying on our stomachs on the beach. And I think in fact, it was you, you, you paid a photographer to come and take our photo and, uh, bought everybody a, uh, picture of that. And I, I think we all still have those. I have that. It's funny. I didn't pay the photographer. The The hotel where we were at actually had somebody that was doing that. But I actually okay. have, I blew one of those pictures up. And in my home office, that's on the top of my bookshelf. So you guys are with Very me every cool. day. Very <laughs> cool. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, a couple of things, and I said it in the intro, but I think one of the the most respected things about you is not only your leadership style, but the fact that you have been in the mortgage industry for 34 years and you are a business owner. You own your own mortgage company. How long have you how long have you owned Interconnect Mortgage? Yeah, so Interconnect I've only had since 2018, so I'm I'm the queen of um, having to start over. <laughs> mm. You know, because I had a, a business partner before that, and we had a broker business, and then we severed that relationship in 2018. So we basically wiped the slate and started again. Okay, all right. But again, if you think about it, most businesses fail in the first five years. You've made it. And I know talking offline and just knowing you, uh, you're, you're not in jeopardy of, of that happening. You're actually growing and, and finding a way in this tough environment to succeed. And I'd love to talk about that if you don't mind. Sure, let's do it. Ace, it's a, it's a tenacity is one of my... Somebody called me tenacious. I thought it was an insult. And then I looked it up and I was like, all right, I'll go with that. For the listeners on this on this show, the, the mortgage and real estate industry, this is, you know, in my 20 or my 30 years, Tony, this may have been one of the toughest stretches right now um, because it's been so different. There, You know, anytime you get into a recessionary environment, it's difficult. But this one has been really difficult. So speak to your longevity. And you kind of said, you know, starting over, but there's some realism to that. You've had to recreate yourself over and over. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I started my career at 19 years old and I was in a banking environment doing consumer loans and home equity loans and, and mortgage, second mortgages, first mortgages. And then I jumped into the wholesale channel of the business in 1997. So did wholesale, lived in the subprime space from 1997 until 2008. 
And during that time period, I went from being in a wholesale capacity to actually running a wholesale company. And at one time when I was an account executive, I actually had underwriting authority in the field. So I could call in a mortgage shop or a, a you know, I'd, our customers were mortgage brokers. Um, I could call in a mortgage shop, underwrite the file and take it back and close it. So there was a handful of us in the country with that authority. Um, I, we, they used to call us sign and drives. It was fun because they hate, you know, most of the people were like, ah, these guys, they have all this authority to go do this. It was a lot of fun. And then I ran the wholesale company and then the financial crisis happened in 08. So we made it through until April of 08, um, you know, proudly wound it down. We, we were subprime. We just couldn't keep up with the evolution of the business. We were not set up in any way, shape or form to scale at the pace that we would have needed to scale to survive the compressed margins at that time. So I transitioned into um, retail and went consumer direct. Um, I was married at the time to my ex-husband. We owned a broker shop. So obviously it was a, a transition. But the truth is every single person I knew in this business was my competition because I had been calling on mortgage brokers. So here I was in 08, you know, one of the worst cycles that we've seen up until this last couple of years has been challenging. I had to reinvent the wheel one, one deal at a time, really, is how I did it back then. And I just kept chipping away at it, then opened up my own broker shop in, in uh, I don't even know, 13 or 14 with an old business partner. And we were doing great, but that relationship, that partnership didn't survive. So we pulled it apart and um, rebuilt it again. And I went out 100% on my own in 2018 and grateful for the experience that I got in that partnership because it gave me the courage. And the truth is that was the only piece that I had really been missing was courage. Um, did it on my own. And then now here we are. It's funny, I was talking to a friend of mine that I've known for a really long time recently, and he's been in the business a little bit longer than me. He said he actually thinks that the market we've been in is worse than it was in 08. And I found that to be incredibly interesting. Um, I don't feel that way, but I'm sure it's partially because of where I'm at in my career. I'm more um, established in this side of the table compared to where I was back then. Back then, I, I mean, it was it was rough to say the least, trying to chip away and going through a divorce and, and on top of that, having to restart, restart. So it, it really is a matter of keeping your head down. And, you know, failing is not an option. There's never been a plan B. I've never had a backup plan. And I don't come from a family. I come from great people, but I don't come from a family where that was going to be a soft landing. So it was figure it out on your own and find your way. And that's what I, that's what I, I guess that's my specialty. <laughs> wow. So that's a superpower, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I can't tell you it feels like that all the time because it doesn't, you know, it, it can be very, um, it can be, it can be very stressful at times, but you know, it's, you keep going, you get through and you take the wisdom from the past experience to the next experience. And then yeah. those challenges are not, don't seem as big as they might've felt 10 years ago. Yeah. So let me ask you this though. I think because there's a lot of our listeners that are in the mortgage and real estate field and they're, they're listening to that and going, oh my gosh, that's me right now. I'm, I am struggling. So what would you say to them? What have you learned that has helped you overcome? Because it's not easy. You have to get up every day and grind. So what lessons have you learned that you can maybe share with others yeah. on how to overcome? Well, I'm still learning. Um, there's two things that I will tell you stand out. One goes back a little bit further than the other, but one of them is that you, each of us is unique in our own way. And these two kind of intertwine together, but we're each unique in our own way. 
And I started at such a young age and I was in this space that I found myself, you know, and I'm sure very largely just because of my own insecurities, always trying to prove that I was going to be good enough, even though I was young. And so I was a chameleon and I was always adopting the environment around me, which may sound on the surface like, well, they can adapt and they can fit into every space. But here's the problem with that is when you're being a chameleon, you're not being yourself. And the truth is, when you're yourself, that's when you're your greatest. So I really probably hindered my career advancements because I was always trying to be what I thought everybody in the room wanted from me instead of being who I really was. And the truth is, I mean, you get the inside look, right? I'm, I'm a bit of a goofball, right? I'm, I'm a super nerd. I like to learn. I, you know, and that's come through a survival strategy. It's not because I was always a voracious learner. I promise you, I was a solid C student. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was not some academic wizard, but I was going to keep taking information to try to make the journey easier. So that's one thing. And when I started to figure out that, hey, I'm okay. I don't have to be something that I'm not because who I really am is actually pretty good. And I started to lean into that a little bit. It allowed, it has allowed my natural to show up. And ironically, and I think this is true of most people out there, your natural is actually the most appealing piece. So stop, stop hiding the pieces that are real and let that, let your freak flag fly. You know, you'll attract the people that you actually want to be around and that you have relatability with and sustainability. And I think that that's the key piece of that is the sustainability. When you're being a chameleon, it is not sustainable. So when you're being truly true to yourself, you can do that every day, all day, and it doesn't take much effort. You know, you you just have to not get caught up in your insecurities. And that's been a real internal battle for me. Um, And then the second thing, which has been more of a recent, business knowledge, but it intertwines with this space is again, taking that uniqueness. And I think, you know, I came into the broker space thinking I, this is great. I love brokering because I can do everything that's out there. If the product exists, I can have it. And I've said that more times than I care to admit. The problem with that is, is if you're everything to everyone, nobody really is crystal clear on what you're great at. And Mm -hmm. so what I'm learning is it's okay to be a specialist. And to to identify the things, and I'm really good with self-employed people. I'm really good with complex files. And it's okay to let people know you do that and attract that business because that is the area that you have your expertise. Whatever it is, that's my area. Whatever your area is, is your area. And I don't care if it's VA loans or conventional loans or FHA or first-time home buyers or jumbo. It doesn't matter. But become the expert in one space let people know, and this is something I'm still working on. This is how I'm, I'm still trying to find my way and my voice. Um, and my fear was, I, and I, you know, truth be told, I think I was living in a mindset of scarcity because I was afraid if I, if I said, this is what I do, people would assume I did nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I really believe is that when you are perceived as an expert in a space, you'll attract that, but they'll go, wow, you're really good at that. Do you do this too? Interesting. I like that, Tony, because that leads me to thinking about something else along that line for you. And I I want you to go a little deeper on that. So here's the question. By identifying your specialty, now that you don't have that scarcity mindset as much, did you find when you started to adopt that specialist attitude 
that you actually attracted more of what you wanted? Or did you, did you find that you lost a lot of business because you weren't spraying and praying and doing everything? Can you speak to that? That's a great question. And I'm going to have to ask you if we can revisit that in six months, because I really am at the beginning of recognizing that that's a mistake I've been making. When I look at, I'll give you an example. If you, I always thought that if I went to an attorney for immigration, that that are probably a better example is an HR attorney. If I went to an HR attorney, that they did everything from soup to nuts in HR. What I've come to learn is that that's not true. You usually will have an HR attorney that specializes in the building of the onboarding manuals and all the establishment of the front end of the employment arrangement. Then the attorneys that work with the, you're actually an employee conflict that arises. And then the attorneys that specialize in, oh no, things hit the fan and now we've got to clean up the mess. Well, ironically, those people will actually inter-refer to one another a lot. And I never, I wasn't aware of that. And that's very common in a lot of spaces. And so what they've done is become really, really good at what they do. And they've been intentional. They chose a space that they like. They chose a space that pays them and rewards them financially. And that's what they thrive in. And they get better and better at it, which just makes it even more bountiful for themselves. Well, I suspect the same is going to be true here. Yes. Okay. But at, I am at the beginning of coming into that awareness and, and letting down the guard and being okay saying, you know yeah. what, I don't have to go out and tell everybody I do everything anymore. Good for you. You know, I think along that line though, Tony, and, and you being a mortgage broker, you literally, there there's some real positives and, and on that because you have opportunity to have availability to everything. But when you have availability to everything, it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. It is. And and so one of the things that comes to mind for me, I've always been more on the INB, the independent mortgage banking side in the mortgage business. Um, and I just don't know the broker side as well, although I love brokers. I, I mean, I love the model and so forth, but I like being at a, at a place where I can offer everything. But what I like to be able to do as an example, if we were talking a specialty product like a 203K, I love 203K. I was an expert at that. But what I found is that if you aren't talking about it all the time, you can't generate business. And so it's it's a tough one. And so what I like to be able to do is say that I can do everything, but I want to be the resource and then I want to refer it out. And, you know, within our company or within, you know, your within your company and be able to work out a referral relationship with another licensed originator within your operation that is specialized in that particular field. And so I think you can really have both. And and I I like where you're going with that. I suspect when we revisit in six months, you're going to find that you're attracting more of what you want. You're also being viewed as an expert which then they're going to seek your advice for those other products and which can then help grow others in your company that you're trying to mentor and train. 
That's what I think is yeah. going to happen. I don't disagree. I think you're absolutely correct. And I think that it's, um, like I said, it, you know, we always say this, right? The biggest problem is the two, you know, the space between the ears. And I'm no exception right. to that. Um, it's a wrestling match. But it's also, like I said, I just, it's a constant, never-ending journey of how can I learn more? How can I take in more? But as I've been kind of studying other people, and whether it's in different industries or in our industry, the one thing that I see is a common is when you look at people that are really producing, most of them have absolutely marketed a specificity and an expertise in that specificity. And that's what's happening for them. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It reminds me when I started in the mortgage industry, Tony, I, I was a broker in my first 18 months in the business. And uh, one of the one of the wholesale account owners out of a company, I remember it was called Washtenaw Mortgage out of the Ann Arbor, Michigan area. Um, a guy named Richard Green said to me, he knew that I was young. I mean, it was really young. I was 20 years old. So he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to dig into one product, become the specialist in that product. And he helped me uh, pick a product. And at the time, it was the 2-1 buy down which isn't it ironic. That's something that we're all reselling a lot now yes. with interest rates being a little higher, but he got, he had me get so insanely um, into that product that I literally could answer any question about it. Now ask me a question about a 30 year fixed. And I probably would go, I don't know, <laughs> but by golly, I was a specialist. And what happened, I started getting in with some of the higher end agents that were selling, again, at the time, houses that were around the 200, 250 range, which was big, okay, because I was viewed as an expert in that. And out of that, people started to assume because I was an expert that I probably knew other things. Yeah. And so his strategy really was interesting and it did work. So uh, I think you're on the right track. So let me ask you this question then. Let's transition. I know you've grown, you've been growing Interconnect Mortgage and you've got some team members around you on your team. And one of the things you and I have in common is we're both fans of John Maxwell leadership. Mm -hmm. And we've both studied a lot of John's teachings and really tried to use that for our own personal benefit to be, become better leaders. And I know you're a really good, successful leader. But tell me, with some of your experiences that you've had, how has that helped you lead your people a little bit different? So, you know what, and I feel like that's a journey in of itself too, Dave, because um, one of the mistakes that I've made is that I've spent a lot of time growing myself. And if I had been growing my team as aggressively as I was growing myself, we would have been moving congruently. But what's happened is there's a bit of a gap there. Because I was so focused on my own knowledge that I wasn't pouring into my team, and I would take them information, but I wasn't, I wasn't bringing them into the way into it the way that I take myself into it. So you know, again, going into 24, that's you know the new policy. Like I'm studying a book right now. My entire organization is studying that same book, mm -hmm. and so I think that one of the biggest things is that we have to understand none of us are perfect. It doesn't matter where you are. We all have areas in our, in our businesses that we can be better, that we can be better leaders in. I think the things that I've done really well is that I have a very open door policy. Um, you know, I certainly hope that my team feels like they can come and talk to me about anything. I don't have a huge team. Um, we work very well together. Um, everybody's virtual, which is, can be challenging 
and at the same time, great. Mm -hmm. um, but the hardest part I, you know, that I struggle with in that regard is if you have a good month, it'd be great to say, hey, let's go to dinner. Well, <laughs> I can't throw everybody on a plane every time we have a good right. month, you know? So, so those kinds of yeah. things, finding a way for us to stay connected. We, we live on teams. I require people, you know, the cameras have got to be on. It's the only way that we're interacting. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have to be able to see each other and feel each other and understand that we're real. And, you know, from an organizational standpoint, I think from a business standpoint, the one thing that I have always been drilling into my team is that, look, our customers have to be treated like our family. We have to not just hear that they need a 30 year fix, but we have to understand why we have to understand. And we have to be the experts to help them see when sometimes what they came in looking for is not what they necessarily should be doing through our expert advice. So it's always reminding because I don't, you know, again, doesn't matter where we are, doesn't matter how much we know, sometimes we get a little bit um, stagnant in some spaces and we have to be reminded. So we try to revisit, refresh and constantly get better and refine that process and remind each other, hey, don't forget, we've got to make this part of our normal dialogue and conversation. So mm -hmm. this is how I look at it. With our customers, we have to figure out what their problem is. Number two, do we have the ability to offer a solution? And then number three, help them actually understand what's going to be the consequence if I don't solve my problem. Now, sometimes there isn't one, but sometimes there is, right? And usually if there's something that emotionally puts you in forward motion, there is some type of an emotional cost to not taking action, even if there's not a financial cost. So, yeah. you know, just it's, it's just a never-ending process. Well, and I think you have to, but it's a journey. It's, it's an, it's an, a constant journey that's evolving, but you're being very humble. And, and that's, again, you're, you're amazing. I've gotten to talk to some of your people and I know as a leader, you're an incredible communicator. Your door is open. You're, you have a spirit where you want to help. And I've gotten to, to hear that from your people that they, they realize that. But I like and I liked what you said about having the, the video cameras on because it's a new way to communicate. And, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, right now I'm studying the 16 undeniable laws of communication. And, you know, when you think about that, what you just really keyed in on was communication. And so I know you're really good at it. So thank you. Um, no, let's thanks. transition. You are a newly published author. Give it up. Whoa, whoa. She's an I'm author. I'm so excited about this, right? <laughs> it is so cool. So do you mind if we talk oh a little bit about, you know, your book? I mean, that's pretty exciting. Wait, this book? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. AI prompt handbook <laughs> just happens to be there. So share with share yeah. with the audience what the AI prompt handbook is the book. When did it come out? And tell us a little bit about it. I know it's a, yeah, a passion so project of yours. It is. So it's funny. In 23, I came into the new year. We were obviously feeling the crunch of the shift. And I really came into the year on a um, trying to figure out how to heighten my efficiencies in my organization without jeopardizing our interactions with our customers. So I started to, to really dig on automations and things like that. Well, then in May, and I don't remember exactly, I think ChatGPT came out like really came out like February or March. And I started playing with it. And I was super interested and I was like, this thing could be pretty amazing. So I saw an event pop up 
and it was very last minute. It hit my Facebook feed. It was a three-day event in Orlando. And I looked at my husband and I said, I'm going to this event. <laughs> he goes, nice. it's like two days. I'm like, oh, I know. And I'm going. So I went to this three-day event and um, I actually called a girlfriend of mine who's in an entirely different industry. And she went with me and we went up there. And for three days, it was just like, you know, like kind of this explosion popping all over the place. And I came back and realized that that I felt like this was going to be a vehicle. Here, here's the really cool part about to me about AI. Two years ago, unless you had a multi-million dollar budget, you were not getting into the space. Mm-hmm. And you also not only had to have the financial resources, but you probably had to have a programming background. I'm neither. And I am not, I, I'll tell you, proclaim, I am not some tech wizard. So the fact that I could, number one, now afford to participate in this program because all of the costs to get involved in these different apps and programs is very low entry. But also, I didn't need to be a programmer. I could use this stuff and started to go to work on it. And so I, it's funny what happened is I called up our friend Ginger Bell, right, who runs Edgy Marketing and does all kinds of marketing and helps other people write books. And we were talking about something completely non-related. And she said, well, your passion is X, Y, and Z. I said, no, not really. I really want to do this. <laughs> and she goes, well, I'll write the book with you. And so that's how it came about. And okay. then, um, you know, we, we laughed because my husband was gone this summer for like three weeks in New York. He had to take care of some business. And um, he, he just recently said to me, when did you write this book? <laughs> I said, remember when you took that trip to New York for three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> a lot got done while you were gone. So it's funny. I might have to send him off again for another three weeks so I can get some stuff done. Yeah, he, he may find a, another what, trip booked on his calendar. Exactly. He's like, why am I leaving today? I got things to do. Um, but that's what really happened. And, you know, what I want to do is help people, number one, realize that they don't be intimidated by this. Because I promise you, I promise you, I am not a tech wizard. If you if you handed me an Android phone today, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. So I really want people to not be intimidated by this. And I want you to, you know, if you're out there and you haven't opened it up, open it up. The book will help you. The book is really great for somebody who's just getting started. So it's if you've never turned it on, it literally will show you exactly how to set this thing up. So it's really, um, but then it also helps you start to learn how to cultivate the prompting process. And, you know, now, Dave, I'm using this stuff to help me. And again, I, I'm not a tech wizard. If I can figure this stuff out, I promise you anybody can. Um, but I'm figuring out how to do content creation for sure. So for email campaigns, for text messages, for social media postings, things like that, um, for marketing content on any other type of marketing piece, I'm using it to, um, I had, I was, doing some analysis of some of our numbers in our company. And I was like, how am I going to get this all like compiled? And I'm like, Oh, let me pull. I know that I know where the data is coming from. Let me pull a spreadsheet. I uploaded it into the system and had it analyzed in like 10 minutes. Um, it helps me. I, I, I use it for programming Zapier. I use it for programming my Salesforce, my Django platform. Um, it, it really is kind of endless what you can do with it. I'm having a lot of fun right now with some of the photo apps because you can, mm. you know, I, I always, I've never been a filter girl. I don't even know how to use the filters on most of the phones and stuff. So when you see a picture of me, it's, well, let me rephrase that. When you used to see a picture of me, <laughs> it was me. Uh-huh. Now I'm going to look good a lot more. 
<laughs> because I've got these apps and these tools. I, I mean, they're kind of crazy what some of these things can do. So we're having a lot of fun with it, but it is helping our business and it's changing. Good. Even my husband, who does some real estate, he, he had, he, he and I sat down and he's, you know, he lets me beat my own drum, thank God. So, but I had said to him, I go, look, I want to, I want to look at some of your marketing and let's see if we can make it better. And he, he was a little resistant and he went in and I said, let's get, you know, let's get the system out. Let's do some things. I'll show you how we, we work this. And we did. And a day later we were in the car and he said, I want you to know, I already got two responses out of those emails. <laughs> And of course I did what every good wife does. And I said, so tell me more. <laughs> Fishing for his, you know, the accolades that were about to pour down on me <laughs> for making tell good me wife. More. You really feel so good it, about it that. It was a lot right? of fun, but yeah, exactly. So it's, um, it's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun and I, I want everybody to use it and I want everybody to um, not be afraid of it. And yeah. you know what I always recommend to people because it can be a, a bit of a rabbit hole from a time standpoint is go to it with an idea that you need to solve a problem. Because if you can mm -hmm. go to it with an agenda, then you can protect yourself from just getting into the play play space. And you know I give myself permission to play in it. You know I want to go in there mm -hmm. and see what else it can do and you know upgrade my knowledge and experience. And mm -hmm. so I watch a lot of YouTube videos and and I I'm studying it. Mm -hmm. Good for you. So let me ask you this question about it, because I, I, I think the last statistic I heard from probably one of the best online marketers, maybe in the world, Billy Jean, uh, he recently said that it was literally only 3% of the population have used ChatGPT or AI yet, which when you think about that, it's like, are you kidding me? Um, but I think it's growing each and every day, obviously. What would you tell the people that hear about AI, and let's specifically talk the entrepreneur, the loan officer, the real estate agent, and they're like, oh my gosh, I need to get into AI because this is going to solve all my problems. <laughs> what would you tell them if they're, if they're thinking that, what's step one in their business or what do you think they need to do before they dive into AI head first? Well, I think there's two things. I think that one is anything that you're doing in your business to try to improve it is you have to know what your weakness is, right? So you have to sure up the dam and you have to fortify and, and wherever you need to do that. And it's going to be different for every person. And I think that the AI is a great place to go to create automations and to refine processes for things that are not human interaction. And, and what I why I bring that up is because I think something that's super important is that if you allow these technologies to do everything for you, you will sever your relationships with your partners and your clients, and that will be very costly. So I think, you know, a good comparison would probably be the automated phone systems. Every one of us that's, you know, old enough to make a phone call has experienced the pain of calling and going into the call program, push one for this, push two for this. You know, you don't even know who you called anymore. You're on the yeah. phone and you're listening to the automated system and you're like, oh, I don't even know what they said. Is it one, two, three, or four? Let me, now I got to re-listen to the whole message again. If your business turns into that, you're going to have problems. So you want to really guard your business and, and I use it and look at it is it's a space to take efficiencies where we have these mundane functions that don't involve humans. 
but the human engagement you've got to you've got to covet that you've got to really protect that space so that's probably the best advice that i can give to people in that is use it for the repetitive things use it to you know if you've got writer's block oh my gosh this thing is fantastic for busting through writer's yes. block um yes. so many ways that you can use this but do not let it replace your human interaction I love that. It's um, I think the best advice in there that I heard was you have to shore up your dam, so to speak, meaning you've got to get the foundational pieces of your business in place. If your business is already broken, adding another accelerant like chat GPT to it and other things isn't going to solve those those basic fundamental problems you have to get you have to get your house in order so to speak yeah is the way that i heard that is that summarize that correctly yeah 100 percent. and i okay. think you know look the, the world's running really fast right and it's it's not going to slow down and with these technologies it's going to run even faster and i think that it's it can be i'm guilty of looking for what i call the easy button thinking oh if i flip this switch business will just flood in and I won't even know what to do. And, you know, it just doesn't work like that. So there are very few things that can be done that create those kind of impacts. And usually there were a lot of other steps in front of them before that was the actual outcome. Yeah. So, very good. you know, really make sure your foundation's in place and do not jeopardize your human interaction. Awesome. Where can, um, I've got a few more questions, but where can people get this book? Can you hold it up again for those that may see this yeah. on, on so video? It is, it is available on Amazon. Okay. And it's and also it available, again? it's called the AI Prompt Handbook. And Perfect. it's also available, if, if people actually go to a link, it will get them some bonus material, which who doesn't want any bonus material? Ooh, freebies, <laughs> so, come on. I'm I'm going to pull it. It's going to be the AIMasteryCenter.com forward slash AI prompt handbook. Okay. And we'll put that in the, uh, I'll put that in the, when we publish this, I'll put it in the links as well for people. Perfect. Because that would be great. Who doesn't want uh, freebies? So, all right. Yeah. So we could spend probably an hour talking about AI, but I've, I've got another topic I want to real quickly address. And that is, I know you are a sought after speaker. And I know you have a pretty exciting event. I know you have multiple coming up, but you have a big one coming up in March of 2024 that's pretty special to you. Can you share what that event is going to be? Yeah, there's a group local to me um, called the Go-Givers Group, and it's a women's organization. And I was invited to be one of the speakers on National Women's Day in March. And mm -hmm. so I think, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It, you know, I'm in my, my early 50s, and I know that I'm part of a generation where there was a big, um, you know, my earlier years, I'm sure, quite sure if I was able to go back and check the records, I wasn't treated quite equally. <laughs> just put it that way. Um, from an income standpoint for the same positions type of thing. And so, you know, being a woman, I've never, I've never really, um, that's just never been part of my conversation. I've just always gone out and figured I've got to go figure out how to earn my peace and not worried about those things. Um, but there are some things and, and that are pretty exciting. Um, and to be able to have the honor to speak in front of a bunch of entrepreneurial women on National Women's Day is just an exciting, it's an honor, you know? So I'm excited to do that. Um, you know, there's a couple things that I don't think a lot of people realize that, 
1988, which ironically was the year I graduated high school, was the first year that women could get a commercial mortgage without a male cosigner. Get out of town. 1988? Yes. Oh my gosh. It's not that long ago. Mm-mm. You know, wow. so when you when you start to look at some of these things and you you look what women have done and women are a large part of the population for business owners. And um, we keep gaining more and more traction all the time. So I'm excited to, to be able to I'm honored to be able to speak to, yeah. to that group. And they've invited me in to speak about AI. So I'm really excited. It's, you know, two topics that I'm passionate about. Absolutely. Well, it's it's really cool because I know uh, as you were putting the book together, you had shared, you know, you were getting some speaking engagements. And now that the book is is out, it's even accelerating that more. Uh, but you're not just one dimensional. That's what's so cool. Again, 34 years in the mortgage business. You've owned your own business since 2013, independently on your own since 2018. I mean, those are pretty those are pretty big things. I mean, for for someone, male or female, in the mortgage industry, anytime you can make it 30 plus years, that says a lot because you do have to continually reinvent uh, and learn and relearn and, and, and keep going. So I think it's really cool. So tell, if you would, Tony, we could keep doing this and we're going to revisit about another six months on this, but tell people how they can get a hold of you. What's the, is there one site or one source where they can get a hold of you if they have any questions or information, whether it's mortgage, AI, getting you to speak, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So my phone number is 561-373-0371. And they can get me online. I'm on Facebook, Tony Taylor, uh, Interconnect Mortgage, interconnectmortgage.com. You can get me there. And obviously all the social medias, Interconnect Mortgage, Instagram and Facebook, um, it's uh, LinkedIn. So anywhere under Interconnect Mortgage and by all means, direct message, phone, doesn't matter. Awesome. And if they get a hold of you, are they going to talk to you or your AI bot? <laughs> so <laughs> could be a little bit of both. <laughs> could be a little. Depends what time of the evening that they're calling. Okay. Yeah, I, no, it depends, I, right? Uh, so I do have um, <laughs> one thing I really do believe in. I do not like automated phone systems. I don't know if you caught that in that last conversation, but I, I really, I personally, I hate calling somebody's business. I just want to speak to a human, like, you know, and I think so many of us feel that. So I do have people that help answer my phones because we've been on this recording, right? I don't want my phone ringing and my customers not being attended to my business partners, my, you know, peers, et cetera. So I do have other people that help me make sure that the phones are answered. And then we circle back around. I just had a client earlier today had sent a text message in about her mom breaking her hip and she needed to speak to me. So um, one of my team members, which which ironically was my sister-in-law that actually got the text message. And then the client was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. And I'm like, it's OK. We've got you. You're in the nest. Come on. Yeah, you're, you're in the family. We got you yeah. here. You're you're yeah. good. So, Tony, I appreciate you. I always enjoy talking to you. And uh, hopefully one of these days we'll be able to connect in Florida again, get both of our families together and uh, spend a day at the beach or something fun. Um, thank you again for being a part of this and for you listeners. Thank you so much. Please like, and share, and we look forward to seeing and talking with you on the next episode of the impact blueprint podcast. Make it a great day.
you're awesome. Let's.